Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast, episode number 120. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. Sorry about the voice. A little bit under the weather this week. Uh, woke up on Monday with a sore throat and um, trying to fight through it this week, but uh, I can't promise that it'll hold up, so we'll just go as long as we can and um, see where it lands us. Uh, joining me, as always, uh, mainland writer David Rowe. Dave, how you doing up in Tallahassee this week? Uh, you know, I was I was a little disappointed to hear you were sick. I mean, trying to one-up me after I crack a rib. I mean, really, man? Jeez. I mean, I know we're, we're podcasters, but did you have to go get a sore throat? Well, I don't think that uh, a sore throat trumps a cracked rib. I certainly would rather have the sore throat than the cracked rib. Um, All right, fair enough. But I would rather have neither of those things, if uh, truth be told. So... Um, we will probably not go to the great lengths that we normally go to on this <laughs> podcast. And it's silly because every time I say that, we end up having a longer yeah, podcast uh, than I expected. But um, Dave, let's start out by talking about Orlando City against the Portland Timbers and uh, a game that featured virtually no action. Well, at least not for <laughs> the first little while. Um, what really struck me about this game, Dave, is that the problem with Orlando City this season has been slow starts. But I felt yeah. like Orlando actually didn't start slowly in this one. I thought that they played um, you know, very up-tempo at the beginning of the match. They created some chances. They, uh, they earned a, a corner kick in the first minute. They had an, an opportunity, in the, uh, I believe, just after the, the clock changed into the second minute to score the first goal with uh, Lamine Sané heading just wide off a corner. And... You know, really, it seemed like Orlando was on the front foot uh, until the penalty, uh, the the foul in the box on Mohamed El Munir, and uh, just unfortunate he had Sané behind him to provide coverage. Didn't need to dive in with that uh, that challenge. Um, got that one wrong by about a split second, and in fact, it was originally called a dive and a second yellow early on one of Portland's best players, Sebastian Blanco, but. Um, uh, video review overturned that uh, and made uh, made a penalty there. And Diego Valeri puts Portland up 1-0 uh, with his second uh, penalty goal against Orlando City in the last two meetings. Well, and, and rightly so on overturning it. I mean, it's upon review. It, it was, you know, it was obviously not a dive. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's against you. You, you hate that it happens and you know the initial call you're like okay great but then you know in the back of your mind you're going i'm not so sure about that um you know the other thing joe actually guessed right um you know he went to the correct side missed it you know by hands width um but <clears throat> that's how penalty kicks go sometimes so mm-hmm. um you know it's it was definitely a momentum changer and uh it i think it may have gotten in their heads for a little bit yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that the Lions spent about the next 10 or 12 minutes really discombobulated trying to regain their rhythm. I think it, it shook them a little bit. I, I asked Jason Kreiss about that after the game, about you know what goes through your mind as a, as a player when that happens and you're, you're all over a team and then something happens against the run of play and then boom, you're behind. And 
you know, and, and he kind of turned it around and said, you know, that's kind of the way it's been for this team is that you give up a, gro- a goal early and you just kind of think, here we go again. We're playing from behind again. And, and uh, you know, luckily this is a team that has been able to earn some points from um, losing positions. So uh, with a lot of game to play, they were able to shake it off and regain their rhythm. I, I thought that they finished the first half maybe a, a better than they even started it. Um, Certainly, there was uh, there were some opportunities late. Uh, Question passed up a a shot in a good position to try to make one extra pass for the tap in that didn't quite uh, thread its way through. You had Justin Merrim on a corner, uh, you know, with Specter flicking the ball to the back post and Merrim just getting absolutely robbed by Jake Gleason. So there were some really quality opportunities late in that first half, and just a little bit unlucky not to uh, equalize before uh, the halftime break. Which has been uh, unfortunately typical so far this year of of you know shots that uh, normally you would think would be goals and and otherwise you know not necessarily bad goalkeepers but you know uh, some ex- ex- excellent saves being made against uh, Orlando on a on a, a shot that you you surely think is going in and just once again like you said it seems to be the oh here we go again um, you know we've gotten to the half and. And we're, we're down and, and, well, shoot, you know, this is, uh, what do we do now? Yeah. And, you know, for all of the good things that the Lions did out of the gate to start the game, they came out of the second half, uh, they came out for the second half quite flat and um, really kind of fortunate that Portland was not able to take its chances uh, in the opening minutes of that half. There were a few opportunities there for Blanco and Valeri that uh, went off the woodwork, uh, another shot that was blocked in the box, and, you know, just uh, a couple of really great opportunities that weren't there in the first half, but they were there in the second half early. And, you know, Orlando City, to me, looked like uh, they came out a little flat in the second half. Um, again, maybe owing to that, you know, uphill climb that they were facing once again and all of the good opportunities that did not go in and, uh, you know, instead of just relaxing and saying one of these is going to eventually go in, they kind of came out a little bit more tentative, gave up some opportunities early. But then they kind of they sort of came back into the game through the middle part of the second half. But the problem was that things started to break down. You, you're still seeing some uncertainty with Justin Merrim and Sasha Kleshin. Where are the other ones going to go? Where do they want right. the ball? And, and you can even include Coleman and... And Yotun in there, it's like, where is my new teammate going to go? Where does he want the ball? How do I have to play this? And, you know, there were a few times when they weren't even sure the ball was being played to them. And they kind of stood there and let a Portland player come in and take it. And um, But even so, there still were some opportunities. Before before the second Portland goal, there was a free kick from the left that Kleshton, I don't know, he must have missed that by, I don't know, six inches to a foot uh, at the far post. Yeah. So th- there were still some opportunities, just not quite sharp enough um, and weren't getting as many uh, attempts on target as they uh, did the week before against Red Bulls. And then, you know, that uh, gets undone on another set piece. And, and this time it looked like some zonal marking and it looked like they had been doing some some man marking in the past this season. And, and maybe as a result of uh, giving up that set piece goal to Aaron Long. They, they look like they might have changed things up just a bit on how they did it, and, and, and it still didn't uh, didn't help because um, yep. Tuloma scored, made it uh, 2-0, and then you're thinking, well, this is not good, and uh, <laughs> this is probably uh, going to have the Christ out uh, birds uh, singing in full force and full song after the game. But no, Dave, it, it didn't take till after the game. They were calling for his head in the middle of the game. In the middle of the game. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was like, you know, and I'm just sitting here thinking, it's like, you know, Jason Christ didn't tell Mohamed El-Munir to foul a guy in the box. He didn't tell Justin Merrim to, uh, you know, to keep his shot up where Gleason could get a hand on it. Um this is not a coaching issue in my in my estimation. It's it's again one of those things where you look at it and you go, I've watched this game. It doesn't seem like Portland's winning this game. And you look at the chances and the shots, uh, the chances created, the shots, the the corner kicks, the possession, the passing accuracy, and you're and you're just mm-hmm. tearing them up in every category. But you're just not getting the ball in the net. 
And I have a hard time pinning that on the coach. I really do. Um, so, you know, of course, I, I've been called a Jason Christ apologist, but um, I'm not. I'm just a patient guy who is uh, waiting till the end of uh, April to see where the team is and if anything needs to change. Um, one thing we can say is that nobody can complain about the diamond not working because the diamond was not in effect on Sunday. It was a 4-2-3-1, and probably largely because Portland plays a similar pressing style to New York Red Bulls. And, you know, the second half of that game, the 4-2-3-1 did very well, so they figured, why not just come back to it? And, you know, for the most part, other than not scoring goals, it worked. Well, they won't complain about the 4-4-2 diamond not working, but they'll point to the fact that we didn't use it and we, you know, won. So that's that's what'll that's what'll happen. <laughs> well, they very well could point to that and and, and use that, but uh, for 80 minutes that wasn't the case. No, it was not. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, it did look like some 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 legs started to get a little heavy. Some guys weren't moving quite as good. Maybe the 2-0 scoreline was affecting you know uh, work rate or uh, effort maybe a little bit, but then the subs started happening, and you got R.J. Allen on the field for Scott Sutter, and then you've got Chris Mueller on the field for uh, Josue Coleman, who's still, we have to remember he's a teenager. He's not going to tear it up every game. So right. um, I thought he struggled a little bit in the game and, and was marked out a little bit, and I thought that um, you know he did some of the same things he did against New York in terms of flicking the ball you know, with a fancy heel flick uh, to nobody in particular, just trying to, you know, demonstrate some skills and, and maybe being more hopeful than than artful in what he's uh, what he's trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, Mueller came on and you could tell right away that Chris Mueller just brought a different energy to the team. Um, and then Stefano Pino came on and, you know, all of a sudden you had all your strikers on the field at the same time. Uh, numbers were getting forward and, you could sense that Portland was just hanging on for dear life and um, uh, just a, a, a near uh, miss for Mueller. And then two minutes later, he scores his first MLS goal with a header and uh, makes it 2-1. Indeed. And the one that he missed was a pretty good screamer um, that uh, it, it didn't miss by much. Um, and you're right about his, his energy. He, uh, you know, he's, He's obviously one of those guys. Uh, just the look on his face, the determination, the um, he, he's got a fire inside. However you want to put it, but he, when he's out there, he is he's full steam ahead all the time, yelling and just you, you can see the joy of of him playing. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's come you know at that point in the match, that's going to be refreshing for the other guys out there. If you got somebody that comes out and says, "Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go." And that's that's what he you know he brought to the field. Uh, then you add uh, Pino in there, and, and like you said, you've got all three strikers. Well, um, of course you do. I mean that's that's what a good coach is going to do. Is okay. Well, we're, we're down two. Let's get some let's get some goals. How am I going to do that? I'm going to put more offense in. So he did. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know Mueller getting. I'm, I'm I'm so glad that Mueller got his his head on that ball and put it in because uh, I know I said before that uh, I think once he gets that first one, he'll, he'll start opening up and we'll get some, we'll get some more, uh, goals out of him. So there, there you go. There's the first one. Um, and he almost, like you said, he almost had the first one, you know, two minutes before that. Mm -hmm. Um, so fortunately, uh, you know, you climb back to one and, you know, there's still eight minutes left and, and, you know, whatever stoppage there's going to be. And, and you're like, all right, well, you know, Hey, that's, that's good. Maybe we can, maybe we can get another one. Yeah, I mean, with that much time left and a little bit of momentum, the crowd was really up and, and raucous and, and really uh, making the whole building shake. And it was, you know, you could sense that there was an opportunity there. You just had to make sure that you scored a goal before you gave up one on the other end, you know, on a, on a counterattack. And, and the only thing about Mueller that I like is that he seems mature beyond his rookie status. He really seems to have a, a really solid head on his shoulders and and when you talk to him you're you can't help but be impressed with him um just a real polished guy and i think that he will you know of course he'll he'll have his rookies rookie ups and downs but i think he'll um you know he's got the makings of a good player in this league and uh, it'll be interesting to see how his career develops but just two minutes after he scored uh dom dwyer 
He scores when he wants, and he draws penalties when he wants. And he must have wanted to right then because he he drew one. Because Alvis Powell knocks him down in the box, uh, a, a foul that um, you know Merritt Paulson didn't like very much, and Portland fans didn't like very much. Yeah, Portland and, fans and, definitely didn't like it. You know, it's it's one of those that if it goes against your team, you're going to hate it. And if it goes uh, the other way, you're not going to hate it. And you're going to point out the fact that, yeah, he did cut off Dom's run. And even though two other times in the game a Portland player did that to an Orlando City player and it wasn't called, uh, it's, it still looks like a foul to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Dwyer was trying to get on the end of a cross from that man, Chris Mueller, and... Um, you know, he has no business going backwards after contact when he's trying to score the equalizer. So um, I think it was legit, and uh, the shoulder was definitely lowered into Dom. And, you know, he, he didn't didn't go shoulder to shoulder. He got in front of the shoulder and kind of put the shoulder in his chest. And I, I don't I don't have a problem with the, the penalty, but I'm sure I would if I was a Portland fan. <laughs> and Kleshton stepped up, set the keeper the wrong way, and nailed it. Yeah, and and suddenly we're two two, and uh, of course now the wall is going absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it, and you're starting to think to yourself, all right, here's the uh, cardiac cats again, and um, you know managed to come back in the last ten minutes of a match. We're two two. We've salvaged the game, but even at that point, you're you're thinking to yourself. We've got all the momentum, and and if you're Portland and you had been sitting back hoping to get out of there with a uh, three points on a two nothing, and then you know now you're sitting there now as Portland you're thinking, okay, well we're on the road, let's get out of here with a draw. So you know I don't maybe you should have changed tactics, but I mean how much can you do that in the last couple minutes anyway? Um, you know, good on Sasha for you know stepping up and doing what a, a vet's supposed to do and just burying it in the back of the net to get that uh, that penalty kick. And um, but uh, yeah, you know, like I said, uh, uh, Dom Dom draws fouls when he wants and and evidently he scores when he wants too. He does, and I have to say that you know you hit the nail on the head. They were they were definitely playing for the points. They were trying to slow the game down. I mean, Gleason got a time-wasting yellow card in, I think, the 77th minute. Um, and then, uh, you know, after the, the tie goal, it was certainly the the, the crowd energy um, fed Orlando City. And in the 64th, Dwyer had an opportunity to try to get onto a question cross. He just missed it by a few inches. Um, and then, uh, you know, about a minute later, there was a stoppage in play, two Portland players down, and you could see Dwyer out on the pitch just yelling at his teammates and, and just exhorting them on and and you know encouraging them and you know lo and behold he gets in behind in the 87th minute and he, go, he loses the ball behind him goes to ground and it's like oh, man another one of these chances is going to waste and he gets up spins around switches it to his right foot scores the winning goal just an insane play by Dom Dwyer yeah, it was. I, I've rewatched it many, many times, and each time I'm amazed. It's like you said, it, it goes to ground, recovers. There's two defenders in between him and the goal, and the goalie. Um, just kind of, and it, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't beautiful in any respect, other than the fact that we loved it. It wasn't uh, slick, but it was exactly Dom Dwyer, and it was, you know, muscle it in there. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Put the ball in the back of the net. And and he does. And and then, I mean, you want to talk uh, the stadium is already rocking and then that happens. And mm-hmm. you go up three, two. Of course, you know, Dom heads the sideline. Mueller follows him um, and uh, decides to do the slide into, um, you know, infinity, um, <laughs> which <laughs> he eventually made it back to the pilot. But uh, I wish we could have actually seen the rest of that that knee slide because it was it looked impressive. Yeah, and you know now you're thinking, oh, did we score too early? Right. Because uh, just a minute or so later, Dyron Espria gets in behind a little bit. He's got a tough angle, but still a pretty good look at goal, but he shot it right at Bednick. Bednick made the save, and then it was just a matter of seeing it out, and Orlando City uh, gets back-to-back wins for the first time and improves to 3-1 and all-time against Portland in MLS play, and it's um, all of a sudden the Lions are above the, the playoff line. And which is, you know, we're obviously where we want to be. But once again, it's early. Yeah. 
so okay we're above the playoff line but it's early there's still so many games to play so just like you know we didn't get to you know uppity two games ago you know when we hadn't won a match yet well okay we've won two in a row that's great there's going to be times where we win a couple in a row and times where we might drop a couple in a row so you know i'm i'm more excited at that um the same thing that I've noticed all season is that the team doesn't give up, um, you know, and the guys that are coming off the bench are, are making a difference. So those are two excellent things for a team that's trying to advance. Yeah. One of the things that I, I that came to mind uh, for me is a line from Bull Durham that Tim Robbins gave. And it's, uh, you know, he said, I love winning. You know what I mean? It's like better than losing. and yeah that's uh, that's how i i looked at it and and yes uh jason christ and even the players said look this wasn't a pretty game we we should have had more goals we shouldn't have got behind like that that shouldn't have happened we should we've got to be more clinical we've got to work on some things and yet you know you look at the you go right down the list and you go shots you know chances created passing possession all in orlando's favor i think corners were like 12 to one it was ridiculous um that's a team getting forward against a team that's not getting forward and yes that may have been part of portland's mo and and um but they are a pressing team and they certainly uh you know with the early lead probably didn't have to press as much especially when they went up 2-0 but uh you know it was a it was a game that orlando controlled you know quite a bit of it even if they didn't have the lead and and that's really to me the important thing the goals there's going to be games that you dominate and you don't win because that's soccer. I mean, we've all seen games like that where you just can't buy one and, you know, a goalkeeper stands on his head, but you want to do those things where you're, you're getting more shots than the opposition. You're passing better than the opposition. You're possessing the ball better than the opposition. You're generating more chances. These are all good things. And then all of that other stuff that's related to chemistry that will all come as the season goes on, or at least certainly that's the hope. Yeah, and, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about, um, you know, over the offseason was adding so many players, getting some of that depth, and that's showing when when you're able to bring, you know, young guys like, you know, Pino and Mueller off of the the bench and have them, you know, create, I mean, Mueller got his head on that, but Pino was in there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both of them. You know, I mean. Right. I mean, if, if, if it had missed Mueller's head, Pino was right behind him, so, um, or right in front of him. So um, it, it's, you know, those guys were, they, they were out there creating. Um, I remember Pino on the left side, you know, getting some crosses in. So it's, that's, that's extremely positive. Um, and then to have, uh, you know, a, a guy like Dom out there just exhorting his teammates on uh, that late in the game. Um, that's that's what you're wanting from a player like him. Yeah, you got a veteran out there with, uh, you know, showing the Mueller's and the Pinos and the Colmans. You know, even though he was off at that point, this is this is how we're doing this. We're gonna we're gonna go on and win this game. We're not gonna take the, the one point. And I think a lot of us would have taken that one point at the, the at that 80, point. I would have 82 or 83 minute mark. We'd have been like, okay, cool, we came back, Absolutely. we got a point. Uh, but no, they they were not satisfied with that, and that's great. Um, Pino was one of those players I mentioned earlier that got, you know, got the shoulder and even a little bit of elbow in the chest and was cut off and didn't get the call earlier. And that was, it was outside the box and Coleman was the other one on the right side of the box and neither yep. one of, neither of those was a penalty, but they should have been free kicks in pretty good spots and, uh, they weren't called. So it was pretty surprising that, that, uh, you know, Orlando city got the call, but you know, when, a, when, a, when a referee has given a penalty one way, you can't do things like what Alvis Powell did. You can't do that. Um, I mean, there's with his size, there's no reason to go into Dom Dwyer that hard. Um, and it, it all worked out. So, you know what? Baltimore Toledo, if you remember, is the same referee who called a handball in the 96th minute on Servando Carrasco on a ball that hit him in the front of the chest. Yep. Uh, so he owed us one. So that's he definitely, at yeah, we were due for that one. <laughs> so Dave, uh, my voice is given away. So who was your man of the match? Uh, my man of the match was, uh, one, Mr. Dom Dwyer, uh, for, uh, creating chances, making his own, uh, drawing the penalty, uh, scoring that the game winner, and then just his overall attitude, 
uh, as a leader in that offense uh, all game. So, um, yeah, it really wasn't a question that Dom was going to get that. Yeah, I thought Yotun had a pretty good game. I thought the question played pretty well, but it's hard to knock. Uh, it's hard to, to lift anyone above Dom Dwyer because he really put the team on his back, uh, especially once it got to uh, 2-2. So, uh, Dom, you got uh, the unanimous choice this week. All right, Dave. So uh, a couple other things to talk about before we get to our guest, if my voice will allow it. Uh, international break for the women. Uh, Alex Morgan, all she did was uh, score four goals uh, against Mexico in two games. And yeah, yeah. Uh, she was also heavily involved in some of the build-up play on uh, some of the other goals. She she pretty much got the hockey assist on the first goal last week in mm-hmm. the first matchup. So uh, just tremendous to see that uh, Alex is not only uh, recovered from the concussion, but seems like she has stepped right into form uh, after the injury. Yeah, no doubt. Um, like I said, four goals and uh, she's seeming a bit unstoppable. Hopefully that's going to carry over uh, into the pride, especially uh, in the next game against Portland. But um, it's uh, it's like you say, it's good to see her come back from concussion protocols, not seem to lose a step at all. Um, the other uh, person I want to mention from that match was uh, Megan Rapino. Uh, she had an outstanding match. Um, almost everything was fed through her, uh, on the offense. Uh, she had four assists and a goal of her own. Um, she was all over the place and is, you know, somebody who's, she's a little bit older than a lot of the other ones out there to have the motor that she does and to, uh, to create those chances. I thought that, I thought that she played outstanding. Um, and it was really, you know, it was, it was good to see that. I, I was really hoping that her and, uh, Alex, were going to connect on that last one because they would have, you know, Alex would have had, you know, the hat trick and mm-hmm. uh, and and she would have tied for the five assists in one uh, match uh, record. So, uh, but alas, it was not to be. That's all right. It was a a four one win and a six two win for the U.S. over Mexico. Never challenged, and uh, we got a a rare glimpse of Ashlyn Harris. Uh, yes. In the game in the second in the second meeting when she played about 33 or 34 minutes uh, in the second half, um, Jill Ellis lost her mind and actually remembered that other goalkeepers were on the squad. So it was nice to see Ashlyn get a few minutes. I don't even know if she faced a shot though. I don't I don't think she did, <laughs> but it, at least she made the at least she made the uh, the pitch, which was great. I, mm-hmm. I, I actually wrote the recap for that. And I, I remember writing in there that uh, I was like, and then the unthinkable happened. Jill Ellis mm-hmm. put in Ashlyn Harris. Mm-hmm. So uh, good to have Alex coming back in form. Hopefully she'll carry that over and score two, three, four, five, I don't know, six goals against Portland this weekend. Yeah, That'd sure. be really good. That'd be good. I'd, I'd be down for that. Speaking of the Pride at Portland, that's uh, that's our game this weekend. The Pride are back in action. They are 0-1-1 on this very young season. They it doesn't get any easier. The uh, initially... Uh, Portland coach Mark Parsons was suspended for this game, and then he was suddenly not suspended for this game. Uh, sure, because that's how things go for us. Yeah. Orlando. That's yeah, because Orlando. So uh, they will go out there to the West Coast and uh, play in front of the you know the very large crowd at uh, Providence Park, uh, six o'clock Eastern on Sunday, and uh, that's the only game over the you know the two-day weekend because the. Uh, the Lions play at Philadelphia Friday night, so it's a Friday night game uh, for Orlando City. So, fun, fun times. They were one of the last teams to play last weekend, and they'll be one of the first teams to play this weekend uh, in MLS action. <clears throat> well, because because Orlando. Let's get uh, my voice a rest, yes. and uh, let's get to our, our guest this week, and uh, we'll do that right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week, we are happy to have with us from the Orlando Pride, Christine Nairn. Christine, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I wanted to start out by asking you uh, just the simplest question, really, and and there may not be a simple answer to it, and that is with uh, as as much depth as Tom Sermani has brought into this club, there's still somewhat of a slow start to the season. How is it uh, going to be going to Portland to try to get the offense turned on without the Brazilians and the Australians this weekend? 
Yeah, look, first of all, um, to be Portland's home opener, I mean, it's just something that you kind of like wish for because they have such a great fan base. But with that being said, um, you know, we haven't had the best start to the season, but um, that, to be honest, that, that part of the season doesn't really matter. It's how you finish and how you get better each and every game, and I think that's what we're focusing on. Um, I think Tom's at it best was, you know, the first two games were – one twenty second of one twenty second of our season. So um, we just got to keep chipping away at it and keep getting better and better. And I think, you know, when we played against um, DC, I think at times we could have um, put away some chances and really changed the game. But um, we're not firing on all cylinders yet. But you know, this game coming up is a new is a new task and a new challenge. And I think. You know, despite missing our Brazilians and our Australians, I think, you know, we'll we'll put the best 11 out there and hopefully come away with some points on the road. Well, we like that plan. Um, what in particular do you see as a, um, a way for you guys to do that, to get those points? Um, what type of either strategy or weaknesses are you guys hoping to take advantage of? Um, you know, we haven't really talked too, too much about Portland. I think... Um, if we just focus on ourselves and what we're doing and buy into our strategies as a team and what Tom and Connor want us to do out there, I think um, we'll be all right. But I think the more that you focus on, you know, uh, they have this player or this player or this player, it takes away from what we're trying to do and we're going to try to implement our style on them. And um, I think it'll be an exciting game to watch. Christine, uh, the Pride's uh, fans haven't gotten a lot of opportunities to see you yet. Can you maybe just walk through sort of what fans can expect from your play and, and what type of, uh, of players you sort of uh, model your game after a bit? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm really excited, first of all, to play in front of the Orlando fans. I've, I've been on the opposing side, and it is not fun to come to um, the Orlando Stadium and play, so I'm excited to be on this side of the field this time. So... Um, what they can expect from me is just, um, I think I read somewhere that I'm pretty fiery out there. I kind of let my emotions flow as much as, as I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, I like to dictate the tempo of the game. I like to, you know, sit in there and, um, switch the point attack and really just, you know, kind of connect everyone. Um, I think that, you know, I just am a very technical player and, you know, maybe some, some long range shots. It's been a while since I scored one. So uh, I guess I got to shoot some pretty long ranges to uh, make sure I can still do it. Well, Chip, the goalie from the center circle in the uh, preseason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I get one that uh, actually counts. So I'm still waiting for it. Well, well, we still enjoyed it, even if it didn't count. So, you know, just <laughs> I, I can only imagine the amount of, of views that that thing had on, on YouTube or Twitter. So uh, it was it was quite spectacular. We really enjoyed it. Um, you, you, Of course, you know, you've now you know joined the Pride. You talk about looking forward to playing in front of the crowd here. Um, is there uh, anybody in particular on the team that, um, you know, uh, not that you're not a veteran, but that you uh, uh, bonded with or, or you know, got close to once you got to Orlando? Um, yeah, I think it's first of all been nice because um, a lot of the former spirit players have are now with the pride. So that's exciting to kind of uh, be on the same team as all those girls again, um, you know, with Tony Presley, Ashlyn, Shalina and Krieger. I think that that's, that's really unique and, and different, but uh, we had something special there, and hopefully we can bring it down to Orlando and kind of get that final piece that all those players are, have been searching for um, with a NWSL championship. Um, but, yeah, just kind of re, almost rekindling those relationships and getting on the same page and just fighting towards a common goal. I think that, um, you know, Krieger has been arguably one of the best leaders that I have um been a part of and have witnessed and you know obviously got to give her a shout out because she's a Penn State alum as well so uh, no I just love I love the way Krieger plays and how she carries herself and um, you know it's I'm glad to be on the same team as her again and kind of learn from her and bounce things off of her and um, like, like I said before hopefully get uh, that final piece of uh, NWSL championship. 
now with the international uh, break coming to an end, you might actually have other people to practice with this week. <laughs> I know it's been a little <laughs> little bit sparse. How important has it been to have had the, you know, these international replacement players, uh, you know, there so that you can work on some things, uh, you know, in a, in a group setting? Yeah, um, you know, the, the girls that we've brought in have been, you know, top-notch. They're, they're working their tails off, doing absolutely everything that we are asking them to do and the coaching staff is asking them to do. Um, so the credit goes to them for just kind of <laughs> grinding it out. I know it hasn't been fun at times, but, you know, we really wouldn't be able to practice without those players. And I think for them to get a little taste of the professional environment and how, you know, each – training is a dog fight i think that that'll just make them better players as well as they're making us better players by you know bringing some youth and some some grit that you know sometimes at the professional level um you forget what it's like coming right out of college to be hungry and and, and go after something so um you know all those girls you know from ucf and usf and all those girls are just doing a great job um yeah so i probably miss miss the college in there but uh, we really appreciate everything they're doing because without them, we wouldn't be able to prepare for teams like Portland or you know previous teams and, that we've uh, played so far. Now, I, I'm going to step way out here from soccer just for a minute because you and I are both from Maryland. And oh, okay. Yeah, I'm from Bel Air. So, um, okay, okay. Um, so my, my question that's kind of out there, because you just mentioned taste, uh, you know, and so my, <laughs> what I'm really curious about is, do you have a can of Old Bay in your cabinet? I do. I do. Uh, my I, family would probably disown me if I didn't. So it, exactly. Saying, it, exactly right. Okay. That's that's. I, I just had. To, <laughs> I didn't want. To, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to ask that question, as silly as it might be. But for anybody who's from Maryland, they're all out there nodding their heads right now with you and I. So okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't know, now they know. Now they know. Yeah, Dave has often tried to tell me he's the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but I don't think that's true. (laughs) Same, same, but different, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let me ask you this, Christine. When you are, when the team is struggling a little bit uh, at the beginning of the season like this, is it almost better to go on the road where you, you maybe don't have to be entertaining so much as just technical and, and, you know, you know, just focus on the little things and, and just worry about grinding out a result. Is is it almost better to be on the road when the, when the team's form is not quite where you want it? Um, I think it kind of, you can look at that question a, a couple of different ways. Um, you know, when you are struggling and you are at home, you know, the Orlando fans have been so great that they really pick us up to, you know, make that extra tackle or make that, you know, diving header or that last run that, mm-hmm. you know, our legs are, are gas. So, um, we love playing in front of our fans. Um, but, you know, like I said before, the the season is so early and we have so many players who um, are still figuring out how to play with each other. So um, it, ideally it is not the best to struggle at any moment in time, but mm-hmm. it is um, the way the game goes. But um, hopefully, you know, we've had an extra week of practice to, again, get all on the same page and work towards the same goal and understand what Tom and Connell are, are pushing us towards. So, um, you know, I think we're, we're looking each day, we're looking a little bit better. And I think that's most important uh, because this league is so cutthroat, but on any given day, any team can be anyone at any place. Now uh, you mentioned that, you know, you guys are all trying to move in one direction as a team. Obviously there's, there's team goals, I'm sure revolving around playoffs and, and maybe further. What I'm really interested in, though, is any personal goals. Now, I understand that your personal goals are going to line up with the team goals. But what in either a way that you want to develop your game or, um, you know, some sort of you know, growth that you want to see out of yourself, what are you hoping for this season? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I think that um, I'm always on board with what the team does. But obviously this, this season... Um, I'm going to try to focus a little bit more on my performance. And, you know, in Seattle, I think I struggled a bit uh, mentally and physically um, all year. So I think for everyone, I just want to prove to myself that um, last year's just a fluke and just kind of get the ball rolling in the right direction again. And with that being said, I just want to 
you know, mentally be engaged for, for 90 minutes. And um, what that means is just, you know, if I make a mistake, get over it. You know, soccer is a, a fast sport. And if you're dwelling on your mistakes, you're, I mean, you're never going to play a perfect game. So there's no sense of, of really dwelling on mistakes. But um, I would love to get on the score sheet. I would love to get some assists. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be my name on the assist board. But, you know, if we're scoring as a as a team and I'm, you know, helping the team in that regard, that's, that's a check in my book. And, um, you know, I just want to help the team in any way that I can. And, you know, whether that's playing 90 minutes or, you know, being a spark off the bench, whatever the team really needs me to do, um, I'm happy to do it. But, uh, the goal of the team and myself is nothing less than an NWSL championship. Now, Christine, when, you know, the NWSL preseason being what it is, only getting, getting a few games in, um, how long does it take your body and, you know, just anybody in general's body to get into 90-minute match fitness? Because you can definitely see around the league, not just pride games, but all games, you can definitely see those legs start to go away about 65 minutes into these early games. Yeah. Um, so you kind of see both sides. So you see players who have continued to play. Um, in the off season, which I've done down in Australia for a couple of years with, with victory. Um, and you come back and, you know, the legs are tired because you have been going for so long and you haven't really gotten that, that big of a break. Um, and then you have players who have taken a little bit of time off and they're still they're reaching for that match fitness. I think that, you know, you can run on the treadmill all you want, you can train all you want, but until you're in a, in a real match, I think that it's very hard to, um, recreate that in training and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I would say probably about a quarter into the season, it'll, uh, you'll start to see the fitness really ramp up again. But, um, like I said, it's, it's just, you know, uh, we're all getting on the same page and, you know, getting to that match fitness. Now, like you said, it's early in the season. How difficult is it, um, traveling across the country, uh, literally, all the way across the country um, to, you know, play one of the, one of the better teams in the league. Yeah. Um, Portland's such a, such a great city for us to go to. And it's such a soccer specific city, which I think is really um, cool and rare and original and in, in, in this country. So they're doing something right out there in Portland. And I think that um, women's soccer is um, slowly trying to recreate that around, around the country. But um, if we got to fly across the country, you just got to take it on the chin and, you know, prepare your body. And we've already been preparing, you know, 10 days ago. So, um, you know, you just got to know what makes you tick and know what makes you perform and do that. And, you know, that's why they call us professionals because we should know by now how our body's going to react. So um, hopefully on game day, all, all engines will be firing. Well, one thing we know is that um... – Portland won't be without their coach like we originally thought. Uh, welcome to Orlando. This is the kind of thing that happens to Orlando teams is suspensions <laughs> mysteriously get reduced right before we go in and play and that kind of thing. Um, before we let you go, though, I wanted to just see if you were, um, you know, how how uh, how much you paid attention to the uh, the international games, in particular the U.S. women's national team, and, and, and how excited are you to see Alex Morgan get into that kind of form uh, that she showed in these last two friendlies against Mexico. Yeah, uh, no, she's been on fire. So, um, all, of course, all of us watch it and we support those girls 110. Um, percent You know, all we ask is for her to continue that when mm -hmm. she comes back. You know, that'd be great. You know, I don't think we're asking too much. But um, no, Alex is has been working. You know, extremely hard. Um, you know, when she's come back, she's she's coming right back into training. Same with Ashlyn, getting right back into training because they believe in this club and, and representing this club um, and pushing this club to the next level. So um, we are hoping that you know the the goal streak keeps going. I mean, against her old uh, her old club, I mean, can't write a better script than that. And the, uh, certainly, the men's team had to inspire you guys uh, over the weekend. Exactly. That game was wild. I was exhausted after watching it. <laughs> so, I think we all were. <laughs> yeah, those of us with weak hearts are not ready for any more of those. Yeah. Uh, well, Christine Naren, it's been so much fun talking to you. Really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the Mainland Podcast. And we wish you the best of luck uh, throughout the season. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, all right. We want to thank Christine Naren for uh, being with us on the podcast this week. A big thanks to Jackie Maynard for setting that up from the Pride Communications staff. My voice is just absolutely gone, but we're going to try to fight through it and go get some mailbag questions answered. Dave, and, and uh, Dave, why don't you tell them this week how they can uh, ask us anything? Absolutely. Obviously, you can uh, tweet at us, uh, ask at STMLPC. Uh, you can reach us uh, on Twitter um, at The Mainland. Uh, you can also reach out to us personally at Mainland Michael and at Dave, D-E-V, D-E-V-E-R-O-H-E. Um, of course, you can reach us uh, on the website or at our Gmail account. Uh, it should be, and correct me if I'm wrong, the mainland at gmail.com. Yep. And yeah, hey, go me. Yeah. And uh, and you can, um, yeah, that the, the Gmail, that's the slow way of doing it, but uh, if you really want to. Uh, of course, you can also reach us on uh, Facebook, uh, the mainland on Facebook as well. Yeah, it's not that slow. It's still electronic. It still goes right to us. Um, I will say this, though. You did mess up. It's hashtag AskTML. Hashtag AskTMLPC. See, that's why he's in charge and I'm not, guys. So let's go with our hashtag questions first on Twitter. And uh, David wants to know. Our set pieces gave us a lot of quality chances this week. What is the biggest reason we were so effective? Dave, you have any theories on this? Um, I, honestly, I think it's I think it's the we have a lot of guys that can deliver the ball in uh, effectively, and then um, once we do, we've actually got some some big guys who can get up and you know get ahead on it and create some space. Those are those would be you know the those are two simple pieces for any set piece that you would want. Um, but uh, it's important to you know have somebody like a Coleman um, or Justin Merrim that can that can get the the ball up and in, and then like I say once you do that you got to have some guys that can finish and, and having you know somebody taller like a uh, uh, Sanye or uh, you know even a Sutter occasionally even though he's not maybe as tall as Sanye there's still that that creates those opportunities um, so uh, that's. I, I think it's pretty simple. Yeah, to me, it really comes down to David, uh, the the delivery from Yoshi Yotun, the delivery from Sasha Kleshton, and even Dom Dwyer, when he took one, he didn't miss by much um, on a ball that was deflected. So some good guys to take these free kicks, and I think that the quality there has been you know, mostly quite good. I think there's been a few that haven't been very good, and, and Yotun's been... Um, you know, has, has left a few that were uh, didn't beat the first defender and it kind of led to some counters. But uh, I think for the most part, these two, you'll see more of theirs will be dangerous than won't be, I think, moving forward. So thanks for the question through Twitter. Uh, we also had a question from Sean. Sean says, how do you think the league views the quality of pros officiating? Does league-sponsored content like Instant Replay suggest that they might not be satisfied with it? Sean, I'm going to take that first and just say... There's one reason you're getting an instant replay, and that's because clicks, 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 clicks. That's that's why controversy breeds clicks, and that's what the uh, the MLS website wants, and that's why you get it. I, I I don't know that they view the quality of it as great. I don't know what they can do about it, but um, you know that that's a great question for maybe somebody like Don Garber, although he will never give you a straight answer. No, certainly not. Uh, it'll be uh, you know. Pro is, you know, who we work with, and and that's the way it is. I, I agree. I don't think that it's a that the VAR is is a um, an indication that they're they're not happy with the referee, and they may not be happy with the referee. But I don't think that the you know having the the VAR is, is a result of that. I think it's. Uh, well, no. Let me let me interrupt you, David. He's saying instant replay, which is the feature oh, on MLSsoccer.com, which is where they they talk about the uh, controversial calls. Yes. Oh well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's like you said, clicks, clicks, clicks. That's you know, that's to get. I, those guys on TV have to have something to talk about. So you know, if if they if they don't have that, well, then gosh, you know, they got to protect their uh, funny baloney jobs, as they said in uh, in uh, that Mel Brooks movie. So, all right, uh, thanks for the question, Sean. Cameron wants to know uh, after the change this past weekend, what do you make of 
our formation when Uri Rossell is good to go. And who does he replace in the starting 11? Also, who finds the net more this year, Pino or Mueller? So let's start with the first question there. And I'm going to say that it seems pretty obvious that when Rossell comes back, he will step in for Will Johnson. That's that's my take. Is that how you reading uh, how you read the situation? Yeah, I do. I think uh, the other part of that question is I think he may have been referring to you know going back to a four four two diamond, um, which will make so many people upset. I, however, I think after this past week with him, you know, switching formations, I think what we we'll, we might see is uh, we'll probably still see the diamond mostly, but he may look at those types of teams where it makes sense and, and switch the formation up. Hopefully, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I hope that would be what a smart coach would do. And, um, you know, so I, I, I do think that that's what'll happen as far as Yuri coming in. Yes. I think once Yuri is able to get on the field, Yuri will be starting, um, as good as Will has played or as hard as he has hustled. Uh, you don't bring in somebody like, uh, Russell to sit him on the bench. So, um, uh, especially cause you know, Johnson's is so, um, He's good at playing other parts of the you know, field. So you, if you have him on the bench, he's a guy you can bring in in multiple positions uh, if you need it. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to degrade him by saying he's a utility player because it's that's I don't think that that's I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, having that type of Swiss Army knife type of guy that can go out there and do multiple things for you is a, is a good and necessary position or player to have on your team. So, but to answer the question, yeah, once Yuri's back, Yuri will be out there. Yeah, utility players are very, very necessary with the roster size, and I think that Will does afford a lot of flexibility, and a few other players do as well. But yes, Rosell looks like he'll step in for Johnson. I don't even think it matters which uh, which formation you go with. I think whether it's four four two or four two three one, and I do think that you know we had Miles Joseph on our show, and and. I know that uh, Jason Christ has said the same thing. We we want to play multiple formations. If the players are getting all of their assignments down, they'll be able to do that. So um, I think we've seen some hiccups in the 4-2-3-1, which is maybe why it wasn't being played earlier in the season. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to say. So uh, that's a good question. And then who scores more goals, Pino or Mueller? Who do you think, Dave? Ooh, um, you know, uh, my my heart wants to say Mueller, but uh, my head's going to say Pino. Um, I just think, you know, on some of the, despite what happened on the one set piece this time, I think, uh, you know, his size is going to give him a little bit more opportunity inside the box uh, here and there. So I'm going to say Pino, but I'm, I'm hoping that Mueller proves me wrong just from the amount of, you know, gumption and engine and whatever else that he's got and passion and fire. Yeah, and I think Pino also has, um, you know, he's proven at a professional level, albeit not in the top flight, that he can. He's a good finisher. So, really, for me, it comes down to who who gets more playing time. So, who whoever earns the most True. playing time will probably win that battle. So, uh, that's kind of a cop out, maybe, but that's my answer. So, uh, thank you for the questions, Cameron. Um, let's see, what else do we have? I know we've got at least one more set of questions through the email. I'm also going to look up the um, my favorites here just to see because I sometimes will favorite a question because sometimes it's not marked as a an Ask TML PC question. So let me look at my likes. Oh, and while you do that, we did get a uh, we got a question mid match. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. I was unable to, or it might have been pregame, but I was unable to answer it at the time because um, I was I was writing, but I, I think I was writing something about if we thought that we had a chance to win or not. And, you know, I'm, obviously we did. I think, uh, you know, the other thing is we gave our predictions, and once again, as always, we were wrong. Mm, here's a question from Tom. Tom would like to know, uh, can the Cardiac Cats start playing in the first half? That's my question for the podcast. Also on a serious note, do we have too many facilitators? There were many past chances that could have been shots until Mueller came in. I, I think we've kind of addressed this a little bit. I thought that the Cardiac Cats did not fail to play in the first half. They failed to finish in the first half. Um, Agreed. So that's, I, I think that, yes, I think they're, they're certainly emphasizing that. And um, as for the other thing about too many facilitators, no, I just think it's chemistry. I, I think we've talked about it all preseason is when these guys get on the field, they're all healthy, they've all had some minutes together, 
they'll start to figure out where each other likes to go, where they like the ball, uh, and all of that kind of thing. And, and also, not just the passer, but also the runner. Where does the passer uh, feel most comfortable getting the ball? You know, do they want me to make that run inside? Do they want a diagonal run? Do they want a straight right. run? Do they want me to go toward the corner or toward the end line? Uh, you know, these are all things that will get mapped out. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to when that starts to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Tom, for the question. That's all the ones I've seen on Twitter, Dave. Um, but I do have one through the email inbox. <clears throat> Ready? It comes to us from uh, mainland.com commenter Anduhar. Uh, wants to know, first of all, that was a hilarious yellow on Blanco for refusing to back up what amounted to about a foot on, Orla- on the Orlando court. <laughs> was it earned for his actions or refusing to back up? Or was it more for what he said? Or was this pro-proing? Um, I think to me that looked like uh, he turned around and uh, said something to Toledo and uh, gave him a dismissive wave to show him up. And I think anytime you do that, you're risking a yellow card. I think that's what the problem was. Um, it looked to me like like the Lions were asking for 10 yards, not thinking Blanco was giving 10 yards. And, um, you know, sometimes that's that's what happens. It's like you, maybe they were going to take that corner short. And, uh, you know, here's Blanco not giving them 10 yards, that kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it certainly was for something he said. Oh, yeah. No, it was for something he said. There's, there's no doubt in my mind about that, um, you know. Because him just not, you know, backing up quick enough or something, that's not going to do it. It, it. it had to be, he had to make some sort of snarky comment that, you know, and and like you said, make a dismissive uh, gesture. And so that that point, yeah, the ref's going to pull that card because yeah, they don't play like that. Uh, whether they're pro or not, they don't play like that. So I don't, and I certainly don't think it was, you know, pro going to pro. Now, don't get me wrong, pro going to pro, but pro didn't pro in that spot right so. and then the, the indicator to me was that he didn't immediately pull the yellow until to, until blanco turned around and kind of gave him a dismissive wave and said something and because he was just backing up away from the player and then he's like oh oh so you got something else to say well here's your yellow card enjoy this and, exactly uh, and i don't think he did enjoy it because he almost got sent off a few, <laughs> a few minutes later um okay and uh anduhar also wants to know do you have any insight on lindley and larea being out of the 18 could we see more loans like roaches to usl for these guys if the first choice team is healthy and i think you definitely hit the nail on the head with the second part of your question um it, it's uh it's pretty certain that if they can get, get these guys minutes with everybody healthy they're going to get them mm-hmm. minutes uh in fact tony rocha went uh, the full 90, I think, his first game with St. Louis, and he came uh, within a clearance off the line by a defender to uh, to opening his account uh, with St. Louis. So, um, yeah, we'll probably see some more loans, but uh, I don't think Lindley and Larea was anything more than uh, guys being healthy that uh, have not been healthy, being in the lineup, and Pino finally getting back in and, and, uh, and all that. So uh, I think that's certainly uh, what played into them not being in the 18, and, and of course it will... It will also come down to what does Jason think he needs more of. Uh, if he was playing a 4-2-3-1 like he was, probably wanted to get an extra defensive midfielder in there. So we did see Higita right. in the uh, in the lineup. So that's what I think. Uh, Dave, you have anything to add on that? <clears throat> no, just expounding. It's gonna, there's a bunch of factors that are going to go into that as to you know who makes 18. And it's going to change from game to game. You know, as uh, like you say, formations and also just matchups. Uh-huh. Um, you know what happens there so uh, you know we will see um, other loans and that's that's a good thing um, you know as far as who goes when who knows yeah and I think it might do Lindley some good to get some games uh, at the USL level um, you know he, he certainly looks like he's got some talent and he can uh, be a useful MLS player but he's he's learning a new position to play at the next level because he doesn't quite have the pace to be the attacking midfield so um, you know, if he's going to, if he's going to project as a defensive midfielder, he's probably going to have to learn on the job and, and you want them to do that, you know, at the next level down probably. So, uh, we could, we could yeah. see something like that soon. I think there's a lot of USL teams would be glad to have him actually. So no, I'm certain of it. All right. Uh, thank you for asking the mainland podcast, anything, uh, we, we appreciate it. I did check the, the, uh, the iTunes, uh, reviews, Dave, and we have two, uh-huh. We have two new iTunes five-star reviews, but they didn't leave comments. They just gave the five stars and, and went on their merry way. So 
Um, uh, that's fine too. Yeah, we'd still appreciate it. It still helps yeah. out. But you know, if you do say something, then we'll you know we'll Michael when his voice isn't horrible, we'll read it out, <laughs> and you'll get a little bit more recognition for that great five star review. That never happens. My voice is always horrible. Uh, it just happens to be more horrible than usual today. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, again, uh, write to us themainland at gmail dot com. Uh, we have do have a new email address coming soon, but I don't have any idea when that's going to start, so I'm not going to put that out there in the universe just yet. And you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland. Just use the hashtag AskTMLPC, and that's how you do it. And you don't have to ask us about soccer, but you're certainly more than welcome to do that. All right, Dave, uh, before my poor throat just con- just completely disintegrates, uh, what's your key matchup and your prediction for Orlando City going to the Philadelphia Union this week? All right, uh, key matchup is going to be um, what we can do against uh, CJ Sapong and and keeping him in check. Um, you know, so it's gonna it's gonna be the defense, uh, which I, I think has been playing good. So I'm I'm pretty hopeful. But uh, you know, when you've got uh, you know Akam and um, and Sapong in there, it's you know goals can happen. Even though so far this year for Philadelphia, they really haven't had much success. Um, you know, the last time we went up there, it was it was not pretty. Um, I certainly expect a better result this time. Um, given that we've got everybody back, and I think defense is playing pretty good, I'm going to I'm going to say it's a one-one draw in Philly. All right, the matchup for me one of the one of the matchups is uh, of course going to be Dwyer against Blake because Blake is a very good goalkeeper he's played well against Orlando um, that's one to watch but the midfield against midfield matchup to me is very very important uh, you've got Akam and Fafa Pico in that midfield for Philadelphia in the attacking midfield and very good defensive midfield of Madunyanin and Bedoya uh, to <laughs> deal with on the other end uh, with your attackers against their defensive midfielders so you know, how Coleman and Kleshin and Merum deal with Madunian and, and Bedoya, and certainly how um, maybe Rossell, but probably maybe one more game of Johnson and Yotun deal with uh, Pico and Dockel and uh, Akam. That's very important as well. Sapong certainly has given us grief. Akam has, been, has given us grief, but uh, on that outside, that left side, uh, it's certainly going to be a, a lot of stress on uh, Will Johnson and Scott Sutter or R.J. Allen, whoever plays right back. So that's going to be uh, the key to me is midfield versus midfield. Okay. Uh, I, your score prediction? I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Um, I think your 1-1 one, one was probably what I would have taken, but since you said it, I'm going to go with 2-2 two, two. Uh, <laughs> just to be different. Um, because, sure. it, you know, road games are, are notoriously difficult to, to win. And, uh, you know, people are like right now, uh, grumble, 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 excuses, excuses. But, you know, the, the numbers don't lie on road games in MLS. It's it's ridiculous nope. compared to most other leagues, uh, not soccer leagues, but any sports leagues. It's just incredible hey. how it, tough it is to win in this league on the road. So ask Portland. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, Portland's going home 0-2 and 3 from their five-game road trip to start the year. So I mean, it's Orlando hasn't been great on the road, but I I think that they probably feel pretty good about themselves after winning two in a row. So they just need something to break their way early uh, and they could win that game uh, against a Philadelphia team that's played four times as opposed to five. Uh, they're just 1-1 and 2. They're 1-0 and 2 at home though. So they do uh, have a tendency to grind out results uh, at uh, Talon Energy Stadium. So um, mm-hmm. it's not going to be easy. It's it's going to be, I mean, we've seen pro proing up there before. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing. So it's, I'm going to just say a draw would be a great result early in the season on the road. And if they could get that point on the road, every point on the road is just huge. So. Uh, that's what I yep. think can happen. But I do think if they get one or two breaks early in the game, they could actually go on and win that game, um, you know, comfortably. I, I don't know if that's actual, actually possible for an Orlando City team to win a game comfortably, but it would really <laughs> be nice to see them get some uh, some early some early love uh, from the soccer gods. So that's, that's what I say. I don't know who your goal scorers are going to be. It's probably going to be yeah. somebody you don't even expect. Uh, probably. But 
I wanted I wanted to be Mueller, but you know. I really want Merrim to finally score a goal. That's right. I, I oh, to true. So, yeah, true. Okay. If, if Merrim right. can get one, or if, if Coleman can get one with his foot, or one that he actually means to shoot, that would be that would be pretty <laughs> pretty exciting. So. Uh, there you have it. Those were our key matchups and predictions. And as I told everybody in the press box Sunday, uh, when it got to 2-2, there's no way it's going to end this way because that's what I predicted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so do not run off to Vegas with these predictions. Uh, we no. would not advise that at all. Dave, I'm done. I am absolutely toast. We're going to come back next week. We're going to talk about Orlando City at Philadelphia uh, Union. We're going to talk about the pride at the Portland Thorns. Um I don't know. We'll probably have other things to talk about. We'll talk about the upcoming games uh, as well. And, um, you know, our- and of course, you know, we'll have the uh, hashtag STMLPC uh, questions and uh, anything else that you guys want to get in here. And hopefully Michael will be a little bit better by then. Um, you know, please, uh, please God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, get your get your questions in. Ask Mainland Podcast uh, at hashtag STMLPC on Twitter. Uh, we are at the mainland. And uh, you can email us at mainland at gmail.com. Give us a five-star review and leave us some comments on iTunes. We'll read those on the air. Please read our stuff at themainland.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And uh, spread the words to your uh, spread the word about us to your friends and family and all those who love the beautiful game as much as we do. Uh, that will do it. I'm toast. I will uh, <laughs> sign off on behalf of David Rowe. I am Michael Citro saying Go City and Go Pride.